Hello, listeners, and welcome back to a very special Dual Screens podcast. I am your host, Andy Asimakis, and with me this week is a very special guest, the developer of Yandere Simulator, a game that I, I struggle to define at times, but I think the best way is it is a game where you have to make Senpai yours, no matter the cost. And Yandere Dev, welcome the show how are you doing today hello i'm doing great thanks for asking how are you doing i'm good i think you have the most relaxing voice i've ever heard i think <laughs> i i go to your channel a lot on youtube just to hear you and i fall asleep to that nice <laughs> to your nice dulcet tunes it's just so soothing so relaxing but i'm glad <laughs> you're here i'm so glad you're here to talk about you and the game and it's a a lot of fun stuff but before we do that we have the inaugural leadoff question and i gotta ask you right off the bat here dev what is so special about john tron john tron yes uh he's actually my most favorite youtuber um i've been watching his stuff like since near the beginning mm -hmm. i i he's he's hilarious to me i love his mm -hmm. video editing style I think that if I ever did comedy videos, I would do his exact same uh, comedic timing and his style. Um, I, I guess I've just been a fan of JonTron for so long. It, mm -hmm. uh, if, if I had to pick anyone who's like my senpai, I guess it would be JonTron. <laughs> He's, I don't know, He's, we, I just really connect with his material a lot. I get so excited whenever there's a new JonTron video. Now, for those who are wondering why I asked Dev that question is because when you have a massive Twitter following and you only follow one person, you have to find out who the hell is that one person worthy enough of being followed by someone with a huge following. And I was like, wow, JonTron, that's that's pretty neat. I've been a fan of his for a long time. And when the show's done, I got to show you a video of me and John we did wow. years ago. And I think you get a kick out of it. Oh, cool. But to more, on a more serious note, to the game itself. Yeah, so on the onset, I was trying to describe what this game was. And it's it's changed a lot throughout the year. So how would you describe what this game is today? What's the point um, of this game? Well, it just to put it as simply as possible, it's a game about a girl who loves a boy and is willing to kill anyone that gets in between her and the boy. Um, as the years have gone by, the game has expanded to be more than just that. It, uh, it's got a lot of side activities and uh, other uh, content that you can enjoy that doesn't have to do with uh, uh, pursuing the boy. But I guess at the core of it, the, the story is about eliminating any girl that's trying to get too close to this boy that you're in love with. And there's many different ways to do that from straight up murder to <laughs> sabotaging their relationship to just hooking up the girl with another boy. You know, you can mm -hmm. be as lethal or pacifistic as you want. The idea was to make something similar to uh, the Hitman games mm -hmm. where you've got dozens of different ways to take out your target. And I basically just plop the player down in a sandbox and say, here's an entire school full of murder tools. Go have a blast. <laughs> Yeah, and you can see why with a description like that, why this has garnered you such a huge following and audience. I mean, you have 
200k plus followers on Twitter, 2 million subscribers on YouTube. Did you imagine when you first started putting this game together seven years ago, you'd have such a loyal and vocal fan base behind it? No, I, uh, I definitely did not expect it to, uh, to take off as much as it did. I really thought that maybe only, only a, a few hundred people might ever even play the game <laughs> back when I first started developing it. And uh, I guess I didn't know it at the time when I began developing it, but the type of game I've made is really good material for YouTubers, apparently, because uh, many YouTubers gravitate towards content that's like, WTF is this, mm -hmm. where they can, uh, they can play something really wacky and crazy and out there so they can have reactions to what they're seeing or show their audience something crazy they didn't expect to see. And YouTubers love making content on that type of game. So I inadvertently made a YouTuber bait game, which then exposed the game to a really large audience and things kind of took off from there. Yeah, you have that also with like the rise of Twitch streamers who, mm -hmm. again, while playing this game, like I've seen a bunch of Markiplier videos, just mm -hmm. millions upon millions of views. And it's just someone reacting to what you can do in a game like this mm -hmm. makes others want to enjoy this world as well yeah that's true mm -hmm. so i kind of want to go on a journey with you dev and kind of go in the wayback machine and mm -hmm. sort of see where this whole thing began because you don't just wake up one day and say you know i'm gonna make a little high school murder sim game just because like yeah. how, how did this thing come about where did this thing spawn from well um from 2010 to 2013, I worked at a video game company and I had a lot of great experiences there and I learned a lot of things. But after three years of working there, I started to feel like I had learned, like I wasn't gonna learn very much more by working there. And like, I had the skills required to go do my own thing if I wanted to. So I quit my job and I started making game prototypes to see if I could uh, make something that felt cool cool enough to turn into a full game. But the obstacle I ran into is that whenever I was making a prototype, I would eventually hit a brick wall where I could not continue because I was missing some assets that would be needed to finish the prototype. Like if I want to make a, a fighting game, for example, you need hundreds of punching, kicking, throwing, and attack animations. Right. If you want to make a hack and slash game, well, that's mostly like the the, the the attack animations, what you can do with a sword or a scythe or flinging a weapon around, shooting mm -hmm. effects everywhere. So for a lot of these games, I, you can't make a prototype unless you have a bunch of cool animations and maybe some models to go along with it. And so I thought to myself, all right, I, I should not uh, like come up with an idea for a game and then try to make it. Instead, I should look at whatever assets are available to me and then build a game around those assets. So I thought, all right, let's go looking for something. So I went to the Unity Asset Store and I found an anime schoolgirl character model. And it was very inexpensive and it came with 80 animations. And I thought, okay, I just need to design a game that can be played entirely with the 80 animations that come with this character model. So let's start brainstorming an idea. And I asked my friend to, to suggest like, what, what kind of game would you make if you had to design a game around an anime schoolgirl? What would you make? And he said he would make a delinquent simulator. And I thought, all right, that sounds kind of fun, but 
Mm-hmm. What's something more extreme? What's not, the most too, ex- not, not too exciting. <laughs> yeah. What's the most extreme version of that idea? Well, a delinquent is almost a criminal. What's the, mo- what's the worst type of criminal you, uh, possible? Well, a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what kind of anime schoolgirl would be a serial killer? <laughs> and I immediately remembered the uh, Yandere character archetype. Mm-hmm. which is a type of anime trope where there's a girl who's so madly in love with a boy, she'll kill anyone who tries to get near him. And I thought, well, that's, I've never, I don't think I've ever played a game with a Yandere protagonist. I don't think there's a game about being a Yandere girl out there. So I decided to go to a, a high traffic message board and just say, uh, hey, would anyone here be interested in playing a Yandere simulator if it existed? Would you play that? And this thread like immediately skyrocketed to like 500 replies from people saying, dude, that sounds cool. I would play that. That sounds dope. Someone should make that. And people started throwing out ideas like, dude, it could be like Hitman, except you're in a school and you should be able to do this and you should have to clean up blood and you should have to be, you know, when you put on a new pair of panties, it should give you abilities. People just started throwing out ideas and everyone was so excited and enthusiastic about it. And I thought, dude, I need to do this. I need to make this. People care about this idea. I want to make it. I want to make something that people are excited for. So that very day, I immediately began prototyping the game. Oh my God. That is, you know, you hear about how games come into fruition, what their origin stories are like, you know, it was a childhood dream or it was a game jam that later spawned a much more larger project. But here Mm -hmm. you took lemons yeah. and made lemonade out of them essentially you said here's what i got what what can i do with this and now you've spawned this again massive fan base s- scores upon scores of fan art people love this thing and it all began from what was on the unity store yeah it's true <laughs> very true so I can imagine when you're prototyping this thing, you know, you're thinking about what kind of kills can I do Mm -hmm. to make this fun and creative. Mm -hmm. And you have games like your Metal Gears, your Hitmans in the back of your mind while Mm -hmm. you're making this thing. But how does one get into the mind of a Yandere character in terms of the writing and the lore? Because this game is a pretty, it's pretty heavy on the, on the story side too in a lot mm-hmm. of ways how does that part come into play for you where do you who, who do you channel for that component well i uh i tried to get into the mind of someone who would be willing to you know do absolutely anything for someone and i thought well what gives someone a motivation like that mm-hmm. and i thought well you'd need some sort of uh some sort of proof or evidence that this person is worth doing anything for, or would make you believe that. Mm-hmm. And so the first idea I had was that the main character, she has a dream and she sees this boy in her dream. And in her dream, you design the senpai, you choose his hair color and all that. And then the very next day she meets that boy that she saw in her dream. Mm-hmm. And so she knows, oh, this is a sign. This is fate, this is destiny. I'm supposed to meet this boy. I'm supposed to make this boy mine. I saw him in my dream. This, you know, not being with him is not an option. Mm -hmm. And so that was my original idea. Um, And I made 
I made kind of like some cutscenes for it. And I, I posted the cutscenes, and they just were not going over very well at all. They got a very lukewarm reception. Mm-hmm. People just were not really in love with the idea. And that made me kind of like, oh, well, fine, forget you then. If you don't like my, don't like the idea I came up with, then whatever. I decided the character will be a blank slate, a completely blank, empty character, a, a person with no emotions, no feelings, no personality, a person who feels hollow, empty, like they have, like they're dead inside. A serial killer. <laughs> yeah. And then one day they, they meet this boy and they begin experiencing sensations they've never felt before. You can imagine it like going your entire life being cold and then finding warmth, never being able to see color and then seeing a rainbow or hear, being, hearing dead silence for your whole life and then hearing music for the first time. That's what it feels like when she encounters this boy. And when she experiences these, these overwhelming uh, emotions for the first time, she realizes that up until now, she had basically been dead. Like she, she wasn't even experiencing life. Everyone else in the world has been feeling warmth and brightness and color and light and, and love and everything. And she's just been this dead, emotionless uh, statue for her whole life. And when she meets this boy, she's now experiencing life like others. And she realizes, if I don't have him, I'm as good as dead. Uh, not having him is the same thing as death. I need to make him mine. I need him like I need food and water and oxygen. I, you know, it's, it's not just a want, it's a, it's a very real physical need. Right. And I feel like that is the best uh, motivation someone can have. It's like she's starving and he's food, or she's dying of dehydration and he's water. She needs him on a very deep physical, psychological level. And once I came up with that, I decided, okay, I'm sticking with that. That seems like it's a better motivation for a character. Yeah, you would never expect that. That's very thought-provoking, the way you put it. When you mentioned the whole being cold and finding warmth for the first time, because at a passing glance, you don't expect that level of detail on the creator side. You think, okay, it's a Japanese schoolgirl. There's like creepy panty shots you're murdering people how deep can this really be mm-hmm. really but then you're talking about the motivations of this character and i feel that anyone who would dismiss this should give this a listen because there's so much more going on than we'd ever expect with a game like this and yeah go what you were gonna say yeah, I, I definitely tried. Uh, th- mm-hmm. There were people who at the beginning didn't like this uh, blank slate, emotionless girl mm-hmm. uh, angle for the character. They didn't want a character who was like devoid of personality and devoid of characterization. They didn't mm-hmm. want to play as a dead, cold, hollow, empty girl. Mm-hmm. And so I did try my best to deepen that as much as I could to appease the people who didn't like the way she was. Like, uh, you know, when as like a parent, if your child is born and your child is like cold and emotionless and doesn't respond to stimuli and doesn't you know, seem to experience sensations like you do, you obviously get worried for your kid. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I had this idea that her condition would be hereditary. Her mother was a yandere. Her grandmother was a yandere. Every female in her family, all of her ancestors, they all have this condition, the Aishi condition, I call it. And they all had to murder girls to get their senpai. It runs in the family. And so her mother, of course, tells her, you know, her, her mother comforts her as a young girl and says, I was the same as you when I was your age, but then I met my one true love 
and he brought warmth and light and color into my world. And the, one day that'll happen to you too. So as a young girl, you grow up being told by your mother, one day you're going to meet someone and your entire life will revolve around that person. You spend every day thinking about that person and waiting for that meeting. So when she finally meets that boy, it's the most overwhelming moment of her whole life. And then she's ready to kill for him starting that day. Mm -hmm. Because the stakes are so high. It's like, this is the one person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And if you lose them to a rival, mm -hmm. then they're gone. And that's why there's so much passion behind clinging on to this character and doing whatever it takes to have them in your life. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to get into this whole, the idea of having these rival characters who are, yes. you're mm -hmm. sort of fighting for, they're also at some point may confess their love to Senpai and you have mm -hmm. to also stop them from doing so. How, how did that whole mechanic come about, that idea? I think, I think a lot of my game ideas involve the concept of like, there's 10 bosses you have to kill or something. Mm -hmm. Like one of my ideas was that every month on a full moon, you fight a boss. So then there's 12 bosses. So the entire game, you're, you're looking forward to taking down each one of these enemies one by one. Right. And you're always looking forward to the next fight. And I think this stems from a game I played that had a very strong impact on me. It influenced me a lot as a creator. It was called No More Heroes for the oh, Nintendo Wii. Such a good game. And, and it's one of my most favorite games ever. I could gush about that game all day. But one of the main things I think that influenced me is that, you know, Travis Touchdown in No More Heroes, he has to eliminate 10 assassins, I think around 10, so he can become the number one top ranked assassin. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's got his list of enemies to defeat and he's going one by one down the list. And I think I just love that concept as a storytelling device, as a gameplay mechanic. I'm in love with that, having a list of enemies and you have to kill each one in order. So I designed the Ender Simulator basically around that same thing. Well, yeah, it's like a Kill Bill, for example, the same idea. Yeah. It's like there's, it gives you a sense of purpose. Like if I know who my targets are, that satisfaction of taking one out, it's that satisfaction in gameplay that you mm -hmm. feel like you're accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. Like having a goal ticked off and checked off a list, it makes a player feel like, wow, I'm, I'm doing stuff while I'm playing this thing. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just it's it's crazy how you have this this game where <laughs> there's so much violence on top of what is a love story, in a sense, and you're trying to hide this violence from those around you, and from the boy you're trying to pursue and making mm -hmm. yours. Yep. It's such a fascinating idea, like, because I feel once once you have the character, once the senpai is yours, does the violence shed away for our yandere? Does that just slip away at some point? He's mine now. Does the need to kill subside once he's mine? Well, um, I think it would depend on the specific character. Like, uh, for example, yeah, Yandere-chan's mother, uh, her name is Ryoba. Whenever like uh, a cashier at the grocery store is flirting with her husband, she gets the <laughs> urge to kill that woman. Right. But as long as like her husband doesn't start having an affair, she, she doesn't have to go kill. Mm -hmm. So uh, theoretically, 
Yandere Chan's days of killing could end as soon as Senpai accepts mm. her love confession, mm -hmm. as long as there aren't any women who start batting their eyelashes at him. <laughs> Have you felt love like this from someone in your life like a fatal attraction sort of vibe where you think you have someone that's pursuing you more than they should or is just it's they, they love you so hard it's scary that kind of love have you felt that love before in your no, life no i'm not drawing on any personal experiences <laughs> in yandere simulator it's it's all fictional okay because I, I i've felt that before not to this oh, really? level that's the level of someone's gonna maybe kill someone but i've had a few suitors who were just obsessive is the oh. way to, to put it to put it a little mildly <laughs> well look at you you dashing devil oh oh yes <laughs> <laughs> so i do want to touch upon your most recent video on your youtube channel which mm -hmm. it, it it gave me a lot of things to think about and one quote stood out and i think with you especially uh and that and that is when you're developing a game and you accidentally discover something that is way more fun and interesting than your original plan for the game, you should abandon that original plan and start building your game around that new discovery you've made. Mm -hmm. And this, of course, is you were once just playing around with your game and you were stacking up dead bodies and you thought, if I were to stack these bodies high enough, could I step on them to go on the platform? Mm -hmm. And you and you could. Yeah. And then some sort of like weird corpse puzzle stacking thing emerged from it. And your fan base, if, if this is more fun than what your original vision was, you should be focusing on that. And you said, well, no, because I have my plan. I have my checklist mm -hmm. what this game should be. Mm -hmm. But then over time, you started to put in so much more uh, mini games and Easter eggs and artwork and things that weren't part of your original game plan. What's that like for you now? Because it was a gradual process for you, you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How you didn't realize the influence from your fan base was slowly taking up your time and you're making little small little prototypes and just adding little features. But now that you know, it's not that you're, that you're aware of it. What's that balance like for you between what you want this game to be and what your audience is saying it could be? <sighs> it's a very good question. It uh, covers a <laughs> broad range of different topics, actually. Yeah, I know. So have at it. The floor is yours. <laughs> I suppose uh, one thing that comes to mind is an experience I had when I was working at that game company I mentioned. Uh, one of my coworkers, he, uh, he worked on many projects that had constraints where everything they did had to be within the constraint, whether it was a budget constraint or a time constraint, or you know, uh, we, we only have limited resources. We, we don't have very many people to put on this project. So whatever they designed, had to be as, you know, it had to be within the constraints. So he had to work, make on a lot of small, simple game projects. But then uh, one, you know, one project comes along where there's really no set release date. And, you know, 
it doesn't cost very much to make it. So they're just like, oh yeah, we'll just keep developing the game. And whenever you feel like it's done, then you can just release it. Mm-hmm. So this, this freedom that he had uh, was something he had never experienced before. And, uh, you know, he would ask me, he would tell me, hey, put this feature in the game. And I would say, okay, and I would program it and it would be in the game by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so he could just, he, he could just come up with ideas and just shoot them at me. And I would just put them in the game as, as quickly as he requested them. Mm-hmm. And the way he described this, he called it, I'm like a fat man lying on my back and there's a conveyor belt of food that's just shoveling, just dumping food into my mouth. And I'm just eating cakes and ice cream and delicious food nonstop every day, <laughs> just getting to have whatever I want. Right. And uh, <laughs> I, I never really understood what he meant until Yandere Simulator. Because mm-hmm. with Yandere Simulator, there is no, you know, for better or for worse, we could discuss whether this is for worse, but there is no set release date. There's mm-hmm. no budget. And it's just, you know, when I feel like putting something in the game, I just put it in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a big canvas I can paint anything on. If I love No More Heroes, then I, I paint 10 rivals to eliminate. If I like the idea of like a, a, a mini game where you're arguing with the uh, guidance counselor, then I put that in the game. If I like the idea of just having a rhythm mini game in the music club, I put that in the game. Mm-hmm. If, if I like something and I think it's a cool idea, I just do it. And Yandere simulators, there's not really that many limitations on what I can do because mm-hmm. If I want to, I can just do anything because I'm the director of the project. Right. So if I decide, man, this is cool and all, but I want to make uh, laser beams shoot out of dragon skulls. <laughs> I just put that in as an Easter egg. Right. And, you know, it's, you know, that wouldn't happen in a school, but if I make it an Easter egg, now it can happen. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, anything that I think of, I can just put in the game because I'm my own boss and I can just decide what goes in. And so like a, like a fat man at a buffet, I'm just gorging myself with every uh, delicious food I want to eat and just kind of doing whatever I want. Mm-hmm. which you know we you could you could say it's potentially a bad thing because then the, a little the development <laughs> yeah in a sense you know uh not having any limitations or restraints or you know a deadline in mind kind of means that you just start doing whatever you want and maybe drifting away from the original plan that you had or your original goal you know you, uh, the fans say hey this is really cool this thing we're doing and you look at what they're doing and you know it's a mod where you can pose the characters mm-hmm. and you think that is cool so then i spend some time putting a feature in the game, you can set up a scene where you're posing the characters and you're, you can, you know, pose their arms and legs or change their expression. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, you know, I see people enjoying something, then I want to help them enjoy it more. Or I think of something I love, and then I want to put that thing I love into the game. And so, yeah, I, I guess if I had to, to break it down into like a, a summary, it's that I, I'm my own boss, so I get to do whatever I want, and maybe I get a little bit carried away sometimes, but it's really fun to just have a big canvas that I can paint whatever I want on. It's very, feels, the freedom feels good. Because you can have the best of both worlds. You can have the underlying structure and foundation being Yandere is going after Senpai. There's 10 rivals to take mm-hmm. out. That's the core basis. And mm-hmm. the rest is what we call like just side quests or just like the, the world fluff, like Yakuza games, for example. There's mm-hmm. so much in those games that are mm-hmm. not about any of the story yeah, at all. Like your taxi cab missions and going to the gym and saunas and 
karaoke, things mm-hmm. that detract from the core serious notes of the game. This like mob crime themed, you know, yeah, Japan experience. But people love those parts of the game even more so than the actual drama. So I think having both is goes a long way. Yeah, I, I love the Yakuza games and I I wouldn't find them nearly as fascinating if they were just you know gritty mob drama. I, mm-hmm. I everyone who plays the Yakuza games loves and gushes about the fact that there's karaoke and there's hostess clubs and there's right. <laughs> a little mini game where you make turtles race or whatever. It's like <laughs> this is so silly and goofy, but that's what makes it awesome. And then pe- people love that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I guess, like, I didn't really plan to, but in the end, I wound up gradually developing something that's kind of Yakuza-esque in the mm-hmm. sense that there's a core and then there's a bunch of side activities that are in there for fun. Mm-hmm. And both of those things combined to make a pretty cool experience. Yeah, because, you know, the school is basically your 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 Japan, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. It's like that massive sandbox and... It's let's fill the time with things to do. But there's also other things like, okay, there's your rivals on the back burner, but if you want to go to a social club or a chem lab, mm. hang out, mm-hmm. those are there for you too. So mm-hmm. how does this impact your own sort of roadmap for the game? Like how, where are you now? And what, what is the future dev cycle look like for you with, Yandere Simulator? Well, I think my days of being a fat man at a buffet, just grabbing food by the fistful and shoving it into my mouth are kind of coming to a close because I I don't really want to just be developing one game for seven plus years. Mm-hmm. I don't, and there is a lot of pressure to, you know, hey, where's that game you promised? Wrap it up already. Mm-hmm. And I, I do want to move on to other projects and I do want to see this project to completion. So I think that from pretty much from this point forward, my focus is almost exclusively going to be on the rivals and the, the core, mm. the story, that, mm. uh, that stuff that I've been hyping up all these years. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's going to be much, much less focus on the, the side stuff mm-hmm. because I feel like I've, I've satisfied my desire to put all that stuff in the game, all my dream features all my wish list features i've already put them in for the most part and now i because i'm happy with the game and where it's at now i just want to focus on the core stuff the rivals that's pretty much going to be my priority from here on out what have been some of the more nuttier ideas you've heard from your fan base throughout the last seven years that you were like that's a little bit too much i can't put that in my game uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'm, sure, because, I'm sure. I'm sure there's plenty. <laughs> because it's too ambitious, or because it's uh, like uh, offensive, or uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, some people have suggested the idea that sometimes you know the students might go on a field trip, which mm-hmm. kind of sounds like an elementary school thing, really, not a late young adult student thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, I in, in uh, when I watch anime or even when I play games that are set in Japanese schools, the students do have a thing where they, like once a year, they, they'll they go on a trip. No, it's once per 
It's like in their well, yeah, final year. Uh, it's the golden week or whatever that's called. Like yeah, Persona, Persona games have that like yeah, 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 yeah. that one yeah. week they go away. That one week where they go some to some other place. Mm-hmm. In one game I played, you know, the characters go to Australia or they go to mm-hmm. China. And yeah, it's entirely possible that, you know, if the students all went on a, a field trip or a golden week uh, vacation to some place like, you know, if they go to a zoo, well, you know, right away, there's a great idea. Push a push a girl into the uh, lion den and have all the lions eat her at the zoo. There you go. Rival eliminated. There's a million fun ideas you could have oh for getting God. girls killed on a school trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that's 3D models and animations like th- that's an entire zoo that needs to be modeled. Those lions need to be animated by an animator. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to have to draw the textures for every single animal in that zoo. Yeah. So as, as cool as these ideas are, as, as hyped as I will get about those ideas, I can't promise to put that stuff in. Mm-hmm. I have to keep it, you know, I, I've, I've allowed this, the scope of the game to grow quite a bit from what was initially planned. Mm-hmm. Remember at the beginning, I said I wanted to make a game using only 80 animations. Yeah, now there's like, like 400 so, animations in the game. So much for that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I have to put a lid on it at some point and say, nope, sorry, no zoo. There's not going to be any lions. I'm sorry. There's not going to be a school trip. No so, zoo. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, people people suggest cool stuff all the time. But I just think to myself, ah, that's really awesome. But I, I can't justify the amount of time that it would take. Like some people say, how about online multiplayer? Which I can think of a ton of cool ideas for yeah. how online multiplayer would pan out. Like maybe like, like a bloodborne Dark Souls, like have other Yandere's invade your world <laughs> trying to <laughs> get your senpai. <laughs> I was imagining something like where uh you have the ability to pretend to be an NPC. So you oh. walk around the school, you walk around the school looking like a normal student, mm-hmm. and you do your best job as possible to pretend to be a student. And when the player walks by. If they didn't notice you and they didn't figure out you're a player, then you jump out and you kill them. And, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I thought you were an NPC. That was an actual player. You know, so yeah, there's a lot of potential there. But I don't know the first thing about programming uh, a multiplayer, you know, doing stuff over a network. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to get I've never done anything multiplayer before. So as much as I love the idea, I just can't do that. Well, you know, this is why DLC would exist at some point. Like, let's say, get it out the door and say, this mm-hmm. is like my most complete vision yeah. for this game. And it's tough because it's like you're building it alongside a very vocal, very passionate fan base. That's, mm-hmm. And I've gone through subreddits and comments and it's just in between all the fan art and the memes is just, here's an idea. Oh, here's my idea for this. Here's an idea for that. And they all sound very plausible. And I can see why you got a little, not derailed, but, you know, it's the temptation so strong. It's, it's, oh, yeah. There's such good ideas sometimes. Yeah. There's nobody standing behind me looking over my shoulder <laughs> saying, hey, don't, what are you doing? Stop. No, no, no. Don't Stop do that. that. What about Stop the it. rivals? Do that. <laughs> I feel kind of like if I had to make a metaphor to explain what happened, it's kind of like I'm a chef mm-hmm. and I said, you know what? I'm going to make 10 cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. And I walked into the kitchen and I, and I looked at the people sitting on, at the table waiting for the cheeseburgers. And I, 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 I say, oh, that guy like right there, he likes cake. Oh, that guy, oh, he likes ice cream. Oh, that guy over there, he likes cupcakes. That dude likes donuts. 
So then I start making this, this feast. Like I'm going to make cookies. I'm going to make pie. I'm going to make cake, ice cream, donuts, cupcakes. I'm going to make. And so I start putting all these things on the plate. And then I make one cheeseburger. Then I bring everything out and I put it on the table. And I'm like, here it is, guys. And there's, there's some people who are sitting at the table, like eating the cake, saying, this is great. And then there's people there scratching their chin saying, wait a minute, didn't you say 10 cheeseburgers? How come there's only one? Where's those other nine cheeseburgers, bro? And I understand that, but I also feel like, what about that cake though? What about that ice cream? Come on, taste it. It's delicious. And, and then you said, technology. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, technology. <laughs> it's, the it's the metaphorical cheeseburgers. They're there. You just can't see them. <laughs> symbolic um yeah. why do you think a game like this didn't exist before you came along because the ideas are all there mm. the, the the core of a metal gear solid or a hitman those pieces existed for years but mm. in this particular setting with these characters and these specific motivations were just unheard of until this game came along mm -hmm. and i'm wondering why it's not like it's a huge a huge thing compared to what we see in most video games or in cinema for that matter why do you suppose that is well i suppose one of the most obvious well the first thing that come to mind is uh one way to describe the game is that it's a, a student murdering other students in a school and a lot of, you know, game companies might look at that idea and say, no, thank you. Uh, we're not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. We're not going to make a game about a indiscriminately slaughtering people inside of a school environment. No, thank you. Um, I guess, you know, if it was. Uh, I guess that the subject matter just might seem too touchy for people. Mm -hmm. Usually in a video game, you kill someone who's evil whenever you kill somebody in the video game they kind of deserved it or the game mm -hmm. developer makes you feel like they were a bad guy who had what mm -hmm. they had it coming and you're a good guy right. for killing them mm -hmm. sometimes they're an en enemy soldier or whatever which you know of course soldiers have to shoot soldiers but sometimes they're like a corrupt politician or a, a an evil mastermind or a, mm -hmm. a greedy ceo who's abusing his workers you know there's always like okay i can i want i want i want to see this guy die this guy's a scumbag he right, deserves right. to die Mm -hmm. But in a game where it's just, you know, some girls fall in love with a boy, do they deserve to die for that? Not really. So the players is then the bad guy. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to make a game where you just kill innocent people that don't really deserve to die. Mm -hmm. You know, in Grand Theft Auto, it's an option, but the game doesn't encourage the indiscriminate slaughter of pedestrians on the sidewalk. It just mm -hmm. permits it as a consequence of the game's systems. But it, even in Grand Theft Auto, the people that the game tells you to kill are like bad people. The game's never like, see this nice old lady who's like taking care of orphans, kill her. No, <laughs> only in Yandere Sim are you told to murder innocent girls who have done nothing wrong. She's actually a crime boss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she runs a, a child sex trafficking ring. <laughs> That's what's going on. Right, but then we have games like Dead by Daylight or Friday the 13th where you assume the role of an iconic slasher mm -hmm. and you're killing teenagers rather <laughs> indiscriminately. I mean, yeah. it's, it's your friends and it's all, it's throwback to those sort of movies and we get it, but I can see why 
in a more of a school setting, particularly, it's more of a sensitive Touchy. issue. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's just some subject matter that some people wouldn't really want to touch, mm -hmm. but I'm kind of desensitized after mm -hmm. watching so many anime where there really is just a psychotic girl who kills mm -hmm. people who don't deserve it. And mm -hmm. I decided, all right, I'll just, I'll just do that. And I never really thought to myself, I can't make a game where innocent people die. Oh no. No, I was just okay with it. Hell yeah, I can. <laughs> well, when you have the cutesy anime parts oh, layered yeah. on top of it. Yeah. It's a little easier to digest. Like when you play games like a gal gun, for example, mm. with, you know, there's a lot of sexual themes in those games. Mm -hmm. You have like ecstasy shots in those games, yeah. right? But it's all done in, in this really cute way that it's 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 somehow less creepier than it should be, by virtue of it being just this anime overlay. If that makes any yeah. sense, like in a um, game the, like yours, the more cartoony something is, the the more easily you can forgive what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like imagine uh, striking a cat. In the head with a hammer mm -hmm. that's horrible now imagine it's a it's a mouse holding the hammer and smacking the cat and it's tom and jerry now it's hilarious <laughs> because it's a big mallet and the mm -hmm. cat gets turned flat and then he pops back to normal and mm -hmm. a saxophone goes wah, 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 to make it funny <laughs> um so uh yeah the, the more cartoony something is the more easily people are willing to overlook how gruesome it might actually be Right, because and then when you watch like Yandere um, snap someone's neck with like a rainbow star wand and then picks up like a little mop and just squeegees away the bloody floor, it's so over the top and comical. Yeah. It's, I, I, I can't find the horror in it in any way. It's just I, I'm laughing out loud as mm -hmm. I'm playing. Yeah. And it just <laughs> maybe something's wrong with me. I don't know. Maybe I'm a, I'm a sick bastard, which I, I am admittedly. One decision I made was to not have any like wounds appear on the characters. Like if a character gets stabbed in the neck, nothing appears in their neck. Mm. If a character gets stabbed in the stomach, their intestines don't fall out. Mm -hmm. To me, that would be too gruesome. It would push it into the territory of like, you're doing something horrible and sadistic rather mm -hmm. than, oh, here's an obstacle. You have to get rid of the obstacle. Mm -hmm. I uh, I don't want it to be like, gory or disgusting right. or make it feel too real as long as they're just you know these cartoony characters who turn into ragdolls when they die and then you know ketchup falls out of them basically that's <laughs> then it's like tolerable if, right. if if i was looking at intestines and brains and eyeballs popping out of heads every day then I, I don't think i would have the stomach to work on the game really yeah because you know there's a far cry difference between looking at a game like no more heroes for inspiration mm -hmm. than say a mortal Kombat or medical journals or, or autopsy photos right. to, uh, to, to create your game right so how how goes the headway on the rivals what's give us an update on that well hmm how do i put it uh the road map mm -hmm. since the beginning was always uh, put Osana in the game, mm -hmm. then release a demo and see how people react and then make adjustments to the demo depending on their reaction. 
-hmm. and then do a crowdfunding campaign mm -hmm. once the demo has been polished. And I'm kind of right before that crowdfunding campaign stage because, you know, I, I made Osana, I listened to feedback, I improved the demo, and I feel like I really need to get people's faith and trust in the game. And I need people to be really, really enthusiastic and about it and to be looking at the game and saying, this is a masterpiece, please, I wanna see this exist. <laughs> I need to get that level of hype and excitement. So before I start working on the rivals, I wanna add stuff to the game that proves like, look, this is how good the game is gonna be. Here's, here's look at the potential of the game. So uh, I'm right now, my priority is to work on something that basically gives you the experience of going through the game and eliminating 10 rivals so that people can get that experience. And this will also be a valuable way of uh, getting feedback on like, mm -hmm. is each rival harder than the last? Does each week feel significantly different from the previous week? Does the game get boring after killing 10, you know, five girls, or is it fun all the way up to 10 girls? Uh, you know, I, this is the kind of feedback I need, which is like, should the rivals have more variety? Should they be way more difficult with each one? Does each week feel way too identical and needs to change, change up a whole lot? I need to get that type of feedback. So before I really focus on putting in the remaining nine rivals, you know, Amai, Kizana, Oka, those girls that I've, you know, that have been appearing for uh, the past seven years, mm -hmm. before I put them in the game, I need to put in a eliminate 10 girls experience mm. and once that experience is in then i can look at that judge that get feedback improve that and then begin working on those 10 rivals and the good news is by putting in the framework of like having 10 weeks and 10 girls to eliminate from that point just putting just uh putting in the the nine remaining rivals is going to be like just plugging them in basically just making them spawn at school and there you go all right uh and one final thing before we move on to our always fun rapid fire portion of the of the podcast what was something you learned about yourself that surprised you along the way over these last mm. seven years of making this game that's a good question what did i learn about myself hmm it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> bunch of different ways to answer that one but mm -hmm. when i did work at a game company uh it this might surprise a lot of people to hear it but i was known for being extremely fast like if someone asked me to complete a task it would be done in a flash mm -hmm. i just at a you know i it was my reputation that if someone gave me a job to do i would take care of it right away and i would do it quickly and i got a lot of like I moved up in the company quickly because of that. Uh, the, the CEO of the company started trusting me with bigger and bigger responsibilities because I demonstrated my ability to work fast. Um, when, whenever he would say like, hey, we have this idea for a game, we want you to make a prototype and we want to be able to show it off to an uh, investor in one week. Hmm. I would say, you got it. And I would work on it. And one week later, they would have their prototype right. exactly to their specifications. And I came to think of myself as this guy who works fast. And I thought, this is my greatest virtue. I can make things really quickly. Um, so flash forward to modern day, and I'm known as the guy who still hasn't finished a game after seven years of working on it, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of a guy who works fast. <laughs> right. So the lesson I learned from that is uh, 
uh, a school simulation uh, sandbox assassination simulator is not my area of expertise. It sure wasn't when I began developing the game. By the time I'm finished, it, I will now be the world's for, foremost expert on a school simulation murder simulator. But it wasn't my uh, it wasn't it wasn't my area of expertise. And I think it's better to play to your uh, to your strengths to do something that's like what you're best at. What I'm best at is making a small, short, simple experience. Like I just put a new feature into the game that's going to be revealed on June first. Oh I, I I I completed it within two days, and I think it's I if I can say so, I think it's impressive that I accomplished something this cool within two days. I'm proud of it. I'm showing it off to my friends. I'm so proud of it, and I did it in only two days, which I think shows me that my specialty is a short, simple thing with a singular focus that I can knock out quickly. And when I attempt to make a, a large, complex, ambitious, complicated game, I'm going to flounder for a long time mm -hmm. because that's not my area of expertise. That's not what I'm best at. What I'm best at is a short, simple experience. Mm -hmm. That's why I put these Easter eggs and mini games into the game. It's because that's what I excel at. Right. That's what I can knock out really quickly and what I enjoy doing the most. Mm -hmm. And I think that tells me that my future projects are probably going to be short, simple projects. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll ever do something as ambitious as Yandere Simulator again, mm -hmm. because I've I've come to realize that's not my area of expertise. Making something giant is not my forte. Making these short, simple experiences I can knock out in two days, that's where my specialty is, and that's what I should focus on. Wow. That's, uh, that's intense. See? You learn some things along the way. You do. And it's all worth it. All right, sir. Rapid fire. Okay. Are you, are you ready for this? I'm going to ask you some silly shit, and you're going to answer with some hopefully equally silly shit. You got it. All right. <laughs> All right. I want you to imagine someone close in your life, be it a spouse, partner, best friend, whomever. Okay. And they get a phone call at two in the morning saying, hey, Dev has been arrested. Uh oh. What crime did you commit? Dev. Uh, <laughs> crime did I commit? What did I do? What did I do? <laughs> they're going to think of me and they're going to assume he must have he must have uh, hacked into the Pentagon because I'm always on the computer. So what am I doing up here? I'm clearly a hacker. I'm, I'm clearly, clearly. I'm, I'm clearly hacking the White House, hacking the FBI, hacking the CIA, hacking China, hacking Russia. I've hacked them all. <laughs> hacking elon musk's bank account that's how i'll fund the end simulator there you go i'm going to affect the price of bitcoin i'm going to drive i'm going to buy one dogecoin yeah I'm you're gonna, gonna you're gonna hack elon's twitter and say you should all just buy dogecoin and then <laughs> watch that thing skyrocket yes that's how to do it um if you had a yandere in your life how would you want to find out Oh, definitely not from dead bodies. <laughs> I want to. I want to get a love confession underneath a cherry tree, mm -hmm. as the sakura petals flutter mm -hmm. around us in the wind, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe you know a shadow falls over her eyes, and she says, uh, "By the way, saying no is not an option." Right. You know, that's that. That's better than uh, waking up in the middle of the night with a knife in my chest, and you know, looking up and seeing her glowing eyes in the dark, saying, "You should never have looked at that girl." On the other side of the road across the street 
two blocks <laughs> over. You should never have looked in her direction. Why do you cheat on me like that? Now, let's say would a, a Yandere type get mad if you cheat on them in her dream? Oh, definitely. She'd oh, get so pissed. God. Oh, good God. Because <laughs> I've had that before. I've had my current fiance oh. was mad at me because he thought I kept a secret from him in a dream of his. <laughs> and the secret was I had broken my leg somehow and I didn't tell about it. I told all my friends but him. And he woke up pissed as all hell at me. I'm like, what would I do? He's like, you broke your leg. You didn't say anything. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> all righty. <laughs> when you enter a room, mm-hmm. And let's say any song could play when yeah. you entered a room. What yeah. song would that be? Uh, it'd have to be the final boss battle music from Persona 3. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I liked you already going into this interview. <laughs> yeah. And now I feel like that's just magnified like <laughs> to an indescribable level. <laughs> I, I, I may be your yandere. Definitely, you never know. know. Better watch out. Uh, Why is Neon Evangelion the best anime ever created? Now, I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. I think it's (laughs) it's close to my heart, honestly. Mm -hmm. I've watched other shows, and I felt like, hmm, this show is kind of objectively better than Evangelion. Mm -hmm. But no show will ever be closer to my heart than Evangelion, Mm -hmm. because I watched it. I watched it at like the the time in my life when it could have made the biggest impact on me mm-hmm. and nothing, well, almost nothing else could ever have as big of an impact on me as Evangelion did. Yeah. It's one of those things where you watch it one time mm-hmm. and you think it's about this one concept mm-hmm. and then you watch it again. It's like, Oh, but it's also about this. Yeah. And then your mind just spirals in an existential crisis <laughs> and you wonder why we're all here yeah. all right um when you're getting dressed and you're thinking about ways to kill uh your rivals in john Derry simulator and you have yeah. your your socks and your shoes beside you do you put them on sock sock shoe shoe or sock shoe sock shoe always sock sock and the <laughs> shoes you know, I'm waiting for that one time when someone's going to say to me, sock shoe. And I'm just like, hello, FBI. I found them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I found the person. <laughs> this is a code red. <laughs> what word best describes you when you've been drinking too much? I've. Hmm. Uh, imposter. If if there's a if there's a Yandere dev who is drinking a lot, he's an imposter dev, and you can oh. shoot him immediately. You know he's not oh, the real because I the, don't actually drink. He's the sus. Oh boy. Okay, that's yeah. how we'll know. It's like if there was if there was two Yandere devs standing next to each other, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm the real Yandere dev. Shoot him. And the other guy's like, No, I'm the real Yandere dev. Shoot him. But and he's drunk. We're both, trying to, we're both <laughs> trying to convince you to shoot the other one. Just say, just say, Hey, who wants this beer? And when he's like, I do. That's when you shoot him. Why do you have whiskey breath, sir? (laughs) (laughs) What is the dumbest way you've ever injured yourself? Uh, What is the dumbest way I've ever injured myself? Oh, I remember one time I was like, 
I don't know, like 13 years old or something. I was like, I just started to notice girls like last year. I thought girls were icky. Now I think girls are cute. What the hell's going on? And uh, I was like, I was in a parking lot and I got out of my dad's car and I saw a cute girl and I closed the car door right on my hand and wound up with like a permanent mark. I still have to this day on my fingernail from slamming the car door shut on my finger. Oh, yeah. Ouch, just crushing that fingertip a little bit there. Oh, I felt that a little bit. <laughs> you know, like a, yeah. a little vibration in my nail right now. I'm like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> Get the hibbly jibblies. All right. Um, would you rather have one real get out of jail free card or a key that could open any door or any safe in your vault, except for your jail cell? <laughs> That's the caveat. <laughs> Get out of jail free card. Mm. Love it. <sighs> What's better to be fair or to be nice? Mm. <laughs> um, <sighs> Darn, that's not a silly question at all. That's a mm, deep philosophical question. See, that's <laughs> the, it's the neon Evangelion in my head right now. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit more philosophical. <laughs> To be fair, mm -hmm. like if someone commits a crime, they need to be put away in jail. You mm -hmm. can't just be like, oh, well, you know what? Just say you're sorry and it's okay. You can't yeah, or give me your whole backstory that I'll say, okay, fine. You can go. I get it. You're a victim you know, of society. With that, said, with that said, sometimes I have a thought like if someone is on trial for like stealing or whatever, uh, I think that a person who's stolen to feed their starving family mm -hmm. And someone who is stolen purely for greed are you know, should receive two completely different outcomes. You're watching Les Miserables? Is that what's happening? No, is, is that oh that that's an entire plot line, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never seen Les Miserables, I guess I'm not the first person on earth to have that thought. Right, right. But yeah, that is a good point. I feel like the motivation is a factor in the crime. Yeah. So yeah. And it is part of being fair as well. Uh yeah. All right, let's go silly. Would you rather have edible spaghetti hair that would regrow every single evening or would you rather sweat maple syrup? Uh, whoa. Oh, man, sweating maple syrup would make you so sticky. Like ridiculous. <laughs> you, when, when you're, you sit down in your chair and you go to get out and your chair is like pulling on you because you're like mm -hmm. glued to it because your mm -hmm. spaghetti, your, your maple syrup sweat. So yeah, I'm going to go with noodle hair. I can just munch on that when I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. You see, we ask a lot of this to our Canadian developer friends and they always yeah. pick maple syrup sweat. Wow. <laughs> they're not thinking it through. They're not. They're really not. What do you think people notice most about you? Mm. I don't know. What do they notice most about me? Huh. I'm not sure. I, I would have to like, try to intuit what people might be thinking mm -hmm. i'm not sure i mean i remember one time when i you know uh, i remember the day when somebody called me sir for the first time mm. i'm like what i'm i'm a sir now i'm not sir what? age <laughs> what <laughs> it's like you know when you go from being big bro to being uncle or something it's like right right yeah. instead of that boy you're now that man i'm in oh, i'm okay. in i've reached so i guess age i don't know that plateau now i'm in that category yeah yeah the first sir is always a weird one i'm always like so i remember once someone that was 
a little bit older than I was. Uh-huh. Call me sir, and I was like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your sir. <laughs> I'm not your buddy, pal. I'm not your guy, friend. Um, <laughs> what is something that you've done that should have killed you? Oh, but you fortunately did not die. One time I was riding a quad bike mm. and uh, I felt something like tapping against my toe. You know, the toe of my shoe. And I'm like, hmm, why would something be brushing up against my my shoe right now? What is what was happening? And so I looked down and my shoe was like right up against the tire, the spinning tire of the of the quad bike. So if, if I had just moved my foot forward an inch, my foot probably would have gotten caught by the tire and then yanked forward. And my whole leg probably would have gotten ripped off by the spinning tire. Um, but that didn't happen. Fortunately, that same day, I drove that exact quad bike off of a, I don't want to call it a cliff, but it, it certainly felt like a cliff. I, I drove it off this, this ledge and it flipped 180 degrees. And if that thing had landed on the ground differently, I just would have broken my neck and I would have died. That was a dangerous day. I don't want to oh ride god. a quad bike ever again. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Final question. Mm-hmm. And it's the silliest question. I'm a little excited for it. Let's say one day, you know, you got the game out there, mm-hmm. massive successful Kickstarter campaign, crowdsource <laughs> funding. It's yeah. on it's on Steam, it's on console, you're on your yacht one day with your not whiskey. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. With your apple juice, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And you get a call from Nintendo and they say, Dev. We want to put Yandere Chan in Smash Brothers. Yeah. What would her final Smash look like? Oh, it would have to be Snap Mode. Ah. Because uh, in Snap Mode, you know, there's a filter over the screen. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like frozen in place. And you can just go up and do a rapid combo. Mm-hmm. Like anime style. Ching, 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 ching. Yep, you know, that's the one. That's the and one. And uh, <laughs> just go from person to person to person. Ka-ching. And then it it ends and everyone probably just red effects appear and then they go flying away. <laughs> oh, see now it, it has to happen. It sounds so dope. Yeah. Um, all right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the dual screens podcast. Thank you, Dev, for coming on the show. You were, this was well worth it. For yeah. those who are listening, this was like months in the making and it was great to talk to you and learn more about you as a person and how the game came to be. Where can we find your game? Give us all the things, social media, Twitter, mm-hmm. Discord. Give us all the details. The floor is yours. Well, uh, yanderesimulator.com. Just one word, yanderesimulator.com. And you're there on the page for the game. And from there, there's a tab that says social media. And there you'll find links to, uh, you know, the subreddit, the Discord, the YouTube channel, the Twitter, the Tumblr, the my blog, even a fan-made wiki, even my Twitch stream. Oh my uh, there's links to it all right there, yanderysimulator.com. So much goodness. All right. Well, again, thank you, Dev, for coming on the show. You were incredible. This game, when I first saw it years ago, I thought, this is something special. And oh. seeing it just mature so much throughout the years and there's so much more going on with it now makes me happy and i 
I want to see what this looks like when it's finally done. And I cannot wait for that day to finally be upon us. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank and you so much for having me. I'm really glad that we finally made it happen. Yes, this has we, been fantastic. We did. And thank you listeners. And as always, please be excellent to each other. <laughs> <laughs>